I was just uh, having a debate with a friend of mine and we got stuck on the difference between fault and responsibility. And she kept talking about how something was somebody's fault, it's somebody's fault. And I was like, it really, it don't matter whose fault it is that something is broken if it's your responsibility to fix it. For example, it's, it's not somebody's fault if their father was an abusive alcoholic but it's for damn sure their responsibility to figure out how they're gonna deal with those traumas and try to make a life out of it. It's not your fault if your partner cheated and ruined your marriage, but it is for damn sure your responsibility to figure out how to take that pain and how to overcome that and build a happy life for yourself. Fault and responsibility do not go together. It sucks, but they don't. When something is somebody's fault, we want them to suffer. We want them punished. We want them to, to pay. And we want it to be their responsibility to fix it. But that's, that's not how it works, especially when it's your heart. Your heart, your life, your happiness is your responsibility and your responsibility alone. As long as we're pointing the finger and, and, and stuck in whose fault something is, we're jammed and trapped into victim mode. When you're in victim mode, you are stuck in suffering. The road to power is in taking responsibility. Your heart, your life, your happiness is your responsibility and your responsibility alone. Hey, I wanna thank y'all um, for your response to my IG story, the fault versus responsibility. It's been a lot of uh, comments about that. There was uh, one thing I wanted to add also. I wanted to say there that taking responsibility, accepting responsibility is not an admission of guilt. Like you're not, you're not admitting that you're at fault. Taking responsibility is a recognition of the power that you seize when you stop blaming people. It, it's not like you're letting somebody who wronged you off the hook. Like taking responsibility is an act of emotional self-defense. Taking responsibility is taking your power back. Fellow teammates, welcome to another episode of the Move Swiftly podcast. I am your host, Aswan Crookshank, the founder of Gym 44 Recruiting and author of Swiftly, your guide to innovative teamwork. Teammates, I was 18 years old. I was in my last semester in high school and I had a severe case of senioritis, meaning I wanted absolutely nothing to do with that school. Soon as the school day ended at 2.45 p.m., I was gone, out of there. <laughs> All right, I had enough four years of it was enough. Believe me. Now that was a mistake. That was a mistake because I was going, I was getting ready to go and play college football. And what I should have done is I should have stayed after school and worked out with some of my other teammates and some of the strength coaches, some of the people who are qualified to help me train and what I was used to. And that, that's probably why I had such a horrible playing career in, playing career in college. All right, what I decided to do is I decided to go work out at a local L.A. fitness. In fact, it was the first L.A. fitness that was built in Maryland. Was Silver, the L.A. fitness located in Silver Spring, Maryland, downtown Silver Spring. 
and I decided to go work out there by myself and pretty much bullshit. I'll, I'll be honest with you. Because I was, I was working out by myself at this point and there weren't any teammates pushing me for, for, a first time, for the first time in my life, to be honest with you. There was no teammates and I would just go in there and do a bunch of bullshit. Not really push myself the way someone should be pushing themselves if they really want to be a great college athlete. You know, and that's why things turned out the way they did. Now, there was one time while I was in LA Fitness and I was there you know, doing a bunch of curls for the girls, just walking around, doing a bunch of lifts that really didn't help me on the field. And I had a time where I was working out next to this bodybuilder, just huge, big bodybuilding guy. And you could see that his muscles just poking out, it's massive muscles, like a brolic. I'm talking diesel, dude. Right, so and we're there, and we're by the dumbbells, and he's sitting down, and I'm standing up, and I'm about to, I'm trying, I'm about to curl these huge weights, and I put my back down, and I, I'm, I'm putting it, and it's just a horrible position, and the guy just says, "Oh no, stop, stop it, stop!" He just stops me. He goes, "Look, man, enough is enough. I've watched you this entire workout. You've been bullshitting this whole time. All right, just put the weights down and stop." And then he goes on and he lectures me about, you know, there's a lot of reading you need to do. There's a lot of things you need to do from a nutrition standpoint. He just completely is, just rips me a new one. And we must, he must have went on for about at least 15 minutes of just going at it. I, didn't even, I, didn't even, I couldn't even work out after that. I just went into the locker room and I just was filled with shame because I was like, damn, I didn't even realize it. Because as a bodybuilder, you know the gym, that, that's his baby. That, that's his place. So he saw me in the locker room, and he walked up to me, gave me a fist bump. He goes, you're only 18 and you in here? You're going to be all right, young blood. You're going to be all right. And he gave me a little fist bump. He said, just keep grinding with it, though. And teammates, that brings me to the topic of today's discussion. The topic of today's discussion is responsibility. I'm going to say it again. Responsibility. I want you to jot it down. Responsibility. As adults. When we see a young person doing something wrong, it is our responsibility to teach him or her the right way to do it. Whether he's your family or not, whether, he's your, whether he is your son or your daughter, it doesn't matter who it is. If you see someone, see a young person who's getting ready to tear himself up the way I was tearing myself up in the weight room, it is your responsibility because you saw it and you did and you have the opportunity to change it to fix it. And we live in a world where we don't do enough of that. So I'm so, so excited to give this topic to talk about this today. Because we don't do enough of it. it, it it's rampant. And, and the, reason, the reason I get so fired up when I think about it is because there's so few people that I've met who are like that guy in LA Fitness. I've, I've, I've yet to meet people like that. I don't meet enough I'll say that. I don't, I don't meet enough people like that who are total strangers and say, hey, you're doing something wrong. Fix it. I'll give you a few examples. And I hate to talk bad about my family, but this needs to be said. <laughs> because I had a cousin. I had a cousin that if, and if you're listening and you, grew, and you knew me growing up, you know exactly the cousin I'm talking about. He grew up in Brooklyn, New York. All right. And for, for years, I idolized him. He was the only member of the family that played football. So he and I, we... You know, he was someone that I would hang out with all the time. And I, my mother would call it, she'd say, I, I, I'm Kieran Struck, because that was his name. 
Oh, that was his, yeah, that was his name. Key, I was Key Ranch Truck. I just he he was the older brother that I always wanted in life. Now, eventually, he stopped playing football and he started smoking weed. Which again, I'm not judging. Every the game's not meant for everybody. I'm not judging weed smokers at all. If that's what you do, that's what you do. I'm not here to judge. I don't do it myself because of my dedication to ball and fitness and all those things. But hey, if you do it, I can respect that you do it. I'm not here to judge at all. Here's where the issue is. Here's where the issue is. There was a time in which Kieran and his father were at our house in D.C. They were in D.C. for D.C. Carnival or Baltimore Carnival, some one of those. And normally, when they, normally whenever they come to the house, they, they bring a crew. You know, Uncle Gordon, Uncle Banks, who's Kieran's father, Uncle Gordon would always bring his crew of, of friends to come and party and do, the, do, do their thing. Always, always. Now, they had a time where we were at a picnic. There was a picnic. And this was, the one, this was one of the few times where I saw my uncle absolutely lose it. Absolutely lose it. Uncle Gordon, Uncle Banks, listen, if you're listening to that, I love you. I'll never forget. I'll never forget this moment. Because he, 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 he went off on one of his friends. He went off on one of his friends because one of his friends, who's his age, gave Kieran some weed. Right in front of him. Right in front of him. And all I heard, and I, you know, I didn't get the story until a couple months later, a couple, you know, about a few months later when my sister kind of re-explained everything. But Uncle Goldman goes, look, I'm telling you what not to do. You don't get murdered. And I mean, he went off on him. And it got me thinking, especially based on the way my sister explained it. It was like, as adults, we're not responsible. That would, that's what I mean when I say being irresponsible. Okay, I get it. You know, if... if if Kieran is going to live that life, great. But you, as his father's friend, has no business giving him weed in a family function like this. Ridiculous. In front of him, just completely disrespecting the family the way he did. It pisses me off to this day. It bothers me. It bothers me because the world, the, the world is, there's too much of that. There's too much of that. And we got to do what we have to do to fix it. All right, we have got to do what we have to do to fix it. Now, I thought that this was just some family problem. But it, as I got older and as, as I experienced the world and I experienced everything that goes on in this world, I realized that this wasn't a problem that's just limited to Aswan and his peers, or limited to Aswan and his family and his uncles or his sisters. It's not just an Aswan problem, which is, again, why I'm, I'm super excited to get this message out to you guys today. This is not just an Aswan problem, trust me. This is a systematic way of thinking. A systematic way of thinking. When I say a systematic way of thinking, here's what I mean. When I finally, I finally got to Stony Brook University, I was a junior on, in the classroom. I was a junior in the classroom, so I was in my third year of college, and I finally got to the school that I've been wanting to go to since I was an 18-year-old high school player or high school kid. Finally got there. Excited. Thankfully, my parents were able to afford to send me there. I was a walk on there, and I was ready to get back to playing some ball. Man, I was pumped. All right, teammates? I got there that summer, and I was taking a lot. I was taking some different classes. I couldn't work out with the team, but at the end of the day, I was at the campus that I wanted to be on, and I was just excited to be I was very humbled to be there. I was taking classes, and... I was short on money. I, didn't, I couldn't afford the books. I couldn't afford the books for the classes. So what I decided to do was I would you know, sort of sweet talk some of the girls, and she, she'd hook me up. She'd make some copies 
for me in the library. You know, someone had the book. Someone had the book for the class, and we'd make copies, and I, and then she let me use those copies, and that way I didn't have to pay for the book. So it was like, cool. You know, just let me know what I got. I'm not going to get into what I had to do for her. We will leave that off, right? But just know I was able to get the little hook. I was able to get a little hook up with that. All right? We will leave it at that. <laughs> anyway. Once the fall started and I got to know my teammates on the team, uh, my teammates on the field, a lot of them were on full scholarship. They were on full rides, which means they got their books for free. <laughs> ah! <laughs> and you guys already know where I'm going with this. You already know where I'm going with this. I'm, 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 I'm going to run through this. I'm going to run through it for you. All right. They had a time where I was at lunch. I was at lunch with. One of my teammates, and this was a teammate that happened to be from Maryland, so there was a lot of excitement. He, in fact, he was a lot like Kieran, a lot like my older cousin, where I wanted, I kind of looked up to him a little bit because he was from the same area, and eventually, as usual, kind of let me down. But I remember him specifically saying this during lunch. <laughs> he goes, are you serious? We have to go to the bookstore to pick up our free books? Don't they put them in, don't they put them in the office for us? This is ridiculous, dog. This Stony Brook shit. See, this is bad. This, 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 I hate Stony Brook, dog. <laughs> ah! <laughs> so he's complaining about the fact that he has to go in the bookstore, the bookstore that we walk by every day for practice. He is complaining about the fact that he has to walk in the bookstore and pick up his free books. That's too much of a hassle for him. I couldn't take it. I was I almost lost it. I just got up and said, this is fucking ridiculous. I can't take it. You are complaining about the fact that you got to go get your free books? Are you serious? And, and at that point, I at that point, I knew I kind of wanted to coach. I knew I wanted to get into the business of coaching at that point in my life. So I had felt like at least if I stay close to my coaches, then oh, I wouldn't have to deal with that those problems. But here, here, here's what happened. The next year, the next year when I was there, and this was my final year playing football, next year I was there, this is what happened. When it came time to get their book, when it came time to start school in the fall and the books were being distributed, this is what the coaches did. The coaches took all the players' books and they put them in the office for them to pick them up so they didn't have to go to the bookstore anymore. <sighs> This is what I mean, teammates, when I say there's a systematic way of thinking. We have a, a generation, a group of athletes, a, a set of parents out there who are praying to get this full ride, quote unquote, scholarship. They're praying. They're doing everything in their product. They're, they're breaking the bank. They're pulling out, taking a second mortgage just for one day to get themselves a, quote unquote, full scholarship, a full athletic scholarship. And this is what I mean when I say as adults, we're not being responsible because once they get to these campuses, they are spoiled. In life, that shit is not going to happen. No one's going to just, no one is going to just give you books and, and, and <laughs> no one's going to just give you free books. And this is, this is why it was such a bad idea to do that. The entire, this is what happened during the semester. The entire semester went by, and there were several players who just left their books in the office. They never even went and picked up their free fucking books. They never even picked them up. Never even picked up the books that were free and that the coaches brought to the office so they didn't have to go to the bookstore. Irresponsible. 
As adults, that's something you can control. As a coach, that's something you can control. That's fucking ridiculous. So you mean to tell me it's not enough that you get a free ride? It's not enough that your, your books are paid for? You, can't even, you don't even have the ability to walk into the damn office that they, they went and they separated all the books to make sure this was for this player, this one's for that player, and you can't even walk in the office and pick them up. The entire semester goes by and books still weren't picked up. And there you have it. There you have it. Yet they're, they're pre-med students, they're pre-law students, they're kids that are on that campus that are struggling in student loans, they're in debt, they're doing, they're, if you're like me, you're, you're having a sweet talk, girls, to, to get them to make copies of their books for you, and you mean to tell me you can't go and pick up your free books? Teammates, I know I'm ran, I know I'm rambling, I know, but you guys have got to hear this. I know as listeners, as, as loyal listeners, I know you're trying to find a way out of that shit. And I'm telling you, listen to my words. Listen, hold on to what I'm saying to you. Every single episode, every single Wednesday, I'm going to bring it for you guys. I promise you that. That I promise you. But you guys got to bring it too. Understand, we live in a world. We live in a, a time right now where it is very easy to... What I, I believe the, the term is ghost people. All right, We live in a time where your word means less. Your word means less. If you post some shit, that means you said it. No, you didn't say it. You typed it. You posted it. It's a lot different when you got to speak with your tongue. Life and death is within, within the power of the tongue. It's not within the power of the post. Not within the power of the fucking Facebook message. Not within the power of the text. It's within the tongue. Speak it right now. Listening in, you have the opportunity just because you're listening to me right now. You have the opportunity to say what? Say, you know what? I'm going to do shit differently. I'm going to do shit differently because I understand the energy and the things that are going on in this world that I've got to put an end to it. And I'm not going to be that person that sees a kid going down the wrong path and not say anything. Think about when I was at LA Fitness. Think about that guy. Think about... All the, everything I've told you, you have your opportunity right now. There are thousands, hundreds, probably even millions of kids who are going down the wrong path, who are doing things that are going to hurt them in the future. Understand, especially in today's time, especially in today's time where there's no telling who someone knows. There can be kids out there who, quote unquote, ghost somebody or they ignore someone's message and there's no telling who they're ignoring. There's no telling who they're who they're offending. There's no telling who someone knows. So please, I'm pleading you, pleading with you. Hear me from my heart right now. When you see young people going down the wrong path, do your part. Just do your part. Get them on the right path. Give them some, some sort of words of wisdom. Just give them something to, to get them on the right path, on the, on the path to where you know it's right. Because you know better. You know better, and I know you know better because you're listening in. All right? Fellow teammates, continue to move swiftly. We'll talk more soon. That's great, but my boss won't let me. I'd love to do something like that, but my boss won't let me. Well, of course she won't. Because what you're saying to her is, I want to do something really cool and really neat, and if it works, I'll get the credit, but if it doesn't, you'll get the blame because you said it was okay. Who would take that deal? <laughs> and that, in fact, what we see is that the people who have jobs or who have clients who are making a dent in the universe are doing it 
by leading the people who are ostensibly in charge to make better decisions. Leading those people to have better taste. Leading those people to have the guts to do the work that they're capable of doing. And so, no, you are not in charge. But in fact, nobody is in charge if you want to look at it that way, right? That even the President of the United States can blame the people who won't vote for his bills in the Senate or the House. No one is ostensibly in charge. But it's so easy for us to say, my boss won't let me, when what we're really saying is, no one gave me an effective place to hide. That we all grew up in an industrial world, in an industrial economy, a place where we were trained from the time we were three to do what we were told. That they invented public school, the industrialists of the world, because they needed more workers. And what they needed from workers are people who were willing to sit still for 10 hours, use a number two pencil, and follow instructions. That's what we were indoctrinated to do. That's how you got an A in third grade, and that's how you got into a famous college. Right? And so it's deep within us to want to do that and to let the boss tell us what to do. But we just changed all the rules, and that's not the option anymore. So I have bullet points here. The first one is do it on purpose. Figure out on purpose every day when you go to do your work, how am I leading up? How am I doing the work and laying the tracks to get my clients to be better clients? to find better clients, to get my boss to be a better boss, and if my boss is unable to become a better boss, to leave and go find a better boss. Right? On purpose. That's your job. Number two, tell stories that resonate with those in charge. You cannot prove anything to get the people you work for to do something, but you can tell them a story that gets under their skin, that resonates, that they remember. Number three, demand responsibility but don't worry at all about authority. That in the old system, in the top-down industrial pyramid, you're not allowed to tell anyone what to do unless you have the authority from the person above you. But in the bottom-up world we live in now, people who take responsibility are often given responsibility. It's OK, it's my fault. I'll take the responsibility for this. But if you are willing to let other people pretend to have authority, that's fine. Because we don't need no stinking badges anymore. That what we have is the ability to let our work speak for itself. I can almost see it, that dream I'm dreaming. But there's a voice inside my head saying, you'll never reach it. Every step I'm taking, every move I make. Faith is shaken, but I ain't gotta keep trying. Gotta keep my head held high. There's always gonna be another mountain. I'm always gonna wanna make it move. Always gonna be an uphill battle. Sometimes I'm gonna have to lose. It ain't about how fast I get there. I'm facing the chances I'm taking sometimes by knock me down but no I'm not breaking I'm
I'm always gonna 